For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 12, Episode 50. This is Writing Excuses, Form and Function. 15 minutes long, because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Mary. I'm Marianne. No, I'm Wesley. <laughs> and we're going to talk about the weirdest topic I came up with for this year. Um, and it is about how the shape of your physical medium or the method you're telling your story changes the story itself. I am super excited about this topic because um, because I feel like this is a really good way to shake up your writing mm. when you're stuck on something. So um, I collect typewriters. And, uh, and then I also occasionally break them out and write on them. Usually I am a computer. I write on the computer. Sometimes I'm traveling and I have to switch to longhand. And the thing that I have realized is that all of these have very different rhythms and they change the way I write. There was a period during one of the Glamorous Histories books where I thought, let me try writing with an actual quill pen. Uh, And what I realized was that I could get about four lines of text before I needed to dip, which meant that I was getting much more complex sentences because as I was dipping the pen, I was thinking about what was happening next. So I was doing my composition much more in my head, whereas when I'm typing, I type close enough to the speed at which I'm thinking that most of my composition happens as it's hitting the page. there's, There's very little space in between. With a typewriter, every time I get to the end of a line, that enter thing, hitting the enter... Uh, not the enter, the carriage return, that's a moment when I have to pause. It's built in mechanically, and it was changing changing the way my prose came out. Uh, There's there's also a built-in pause when I get to the bottom of a page because I have to pull the paper out. I have to feed in a new sheet. So this is a really powerful tool when you are trying to to capture something. one of the other experiments that I did was uh, writing a story uh, called In the Forest of Memory, which was mm-hmm. specifically for audiobook. And I was having trouble getting the voice because I wanted it to sound like a natural spoken text. And it's the first time that I've fired up uh, text to speech or speech to text. So I actually narrated the first part of the book, the first like bit of it. To get the to get the, the the right feel, so I could capture all of the pauses, the the random things, the incomplete sentences that you say when you speak. That is so cool. Uh, go ahead. One of the one of the things I I kind of figured out about myself when I write longhand is, when when I type things out, I can type something out and then realize that I can delete it right pretty easily. You know, so in many ways, I don't think about what I write as thoroughly as when I write things out. Because when I write things out. I have to erase it if it doesn't work out. So I spend a lot more time dwelling on each word 
when everything when I do something longhand. And I think you know, in a way, that's why it's a it's a great exercise to get off the keyboard for a while and write a scene out and compare it to how you do it when you do it on a computer. You know, to, to flip this around to the actual kind of form of something printed, one of my favorite instances of form and function um, interacting is Eric James Stone, a friend of the podcast, puts flash fiction on the back of his business cards. He has to have a piece short enough that he can get it on the back of a business card, and he makes multiples of these, and they're delightful stories, but they're also meant to introduce him as a writer. And so the form of this is a business card, this is who I am, here's a sample – becomes the medium that he uses the story for. It's so cool, nice. and it changes how he writes those stories. I think, you know, a couple of different things come up. One is there was a point when I was doing slam poetry in San Francisco, and going from writing regular poetry to writing slam poetry is very different because in a slam, it's a competition. The audience is grading you. They they will boo you if they don't like it right in the middle of it. They will clap. If you win the competition, you get a pot of cash on the spot, which is, you know, the the sort of cover charge that everyone paid to get come in. And so you're being ranked as you go through. So you get to know once you start doing this, like there are certain things that play well. There are certain things that don't. People actually get pretty sophisticated about it. So like easy yanking on the emotion kinds of stuff doesn't tend to play well. People, they, they're a little bored with that. You've got to push it a little harder. And you do end up really using kind of the old school poetic tools of repetition and rhythm. And like it matters in a way that maybe you can get away from it on the page. My nephew is a, a very good slam poet, and I asked him for some poetry for something else that I was working on. He's like, I'm actually not a very good written poet yeah. because some of the stuff that I do that he does as a slam poet re- requires that spoken repetition. So like um, in the previous episode where we were talking about the a rose is a rose is a rose is a rose, on the page that, could, that can be it can, just right. – it can be dull, but – when it's spoken, you know, it's a rose is a rose is a rose is a rose is a rose. You can you can have all of these different inflections, and and that is definitely a place where where the the spoken affects things. You know that 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 delivery that the um, the form of the delivery of medium affects that things. That makes me wonder when you're doing audiobooks, how how much do you feel like you need to stay very faithful to the text? Are you ever tempted to? Morph it because it would be more effective differently if spoken when spoken. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the, that that has happened. Um, the I, I'm not allowed to change any of the words, even for your books. No, my books. We uh, actually, you know, when we when we record my books, we record them at a point in the process where I can go back and mm. change the written text, but they still have to match. They have to match. Oh. Yeah, readers get. Really well, actually, yeah. it's specifically um, f- these days. It's specifically because of Amazon WhisperSync. Oh, that would make perfect sense. You can only have ten percent errors, there but are um, audiobooks that are abridged in that way, in that they don't get rid of scenes; they just change them to make them more dramatic for audio. Well, I have to say, like, I would want to do two different versions mm-hmm. and just tell the readers. We do. I have two written. different versions yeah. of most of my books. One is a straight-up audio read, and one of them is performed by a full cast. Yeah, nice. and, and when you do that, you do wind up mm-hmm. changing things. Like, I actually went the opposite direction with that uh, Forest of Memories thing mm-hmm. that I mentioned. It Because it was designed to be spoken, and the, the premise of it was that it was 
it was not a recording, but that you were listening to someone who was telling this story and that it was a one-off. You were the only person they were going to tell this story to. And and that was that was a that was a plot point, in fact. And then I sold it to Tor.com, and it was going to be a written story. And the style of prose didn't make sense. The the premise, the plot point didn't make sense. So I went back and rewrote it as if it had been written on a manual typewriter. And doing that meant that I also went in and inserted typos and inserted places where she had crossed out and then rewritten. Um, I got a lot of people actually emailing me initially saying, Why is hey, this book full of typos? Why yeah. is this book full of typos? I'm like, it says right at the beginning. Oh, that so is super cool. <laughs> so how, how do you... Uh, so w- when you read the audiobook for that, how do you actually handle the typos? Handle the typos? Well, I don't because they are two different things. Yeah, I, I have had to handle, and this is this is actually uh, this happens a lot when I am having to narrate audiobooks, and they and they contain things that are. There was um, a novel that I had to record, and the um, uh, tears in Ra- tears in the rain. It's it's. Uh, by, oh, I can't remember the author's name. Um, but the one of the narrative conceits is that there are a series of encyclopedia entries that have been edited. Mm-hmm. And in the text, you see the strike through. And in audio, it's like, how do you do I mean, that? How do you? Some things so, you can't really, right? Well, so those, what I wound up doing was that I would read the text and then I would hit one of the, the deleted sections, the, the sections that were crossed out, and I would say, deleted text. But there's, I'm thinking... You and know, then read it and say, end deletion. But yes, other I have, things... I have, like, I have a poem which is in two columns that are meant to be read sort of simultaneously. Yeah. It's not really simultaneous, but there's no way to, to is, do it in yeah. oddly. No and well, Le Guin has an essay, which I, I love this essay of hers, where she goes back and looks at the pronouns. She, she had written an essay kind of defending her use of he and him for a gender-neutral um, race, right? And uh, the Cathanians. Kith- and uh, then years later, she decided she was wrong about that. And the way she handled it is she reissued the essay in two columns with the second column, her kind of arguing with her earlier self and oh. pointing out, this is where I went wrong here. This is why I think I made a mistake. And it was just, it was so helpful um, as a, as a writer and a reader to kind of see, to be able to trace her mental process. Right, right. We're, I'm going to cut it here for the book of the week um, and steer us toward a different topic. Hey, writers. Are you thinking about learning a new language? I think exploring the world, experiencing other cultures, and being able to communicate with people outside your everyday experience lets you create richer, better stories. A great way to do that is with Rosetta Stone, a trusted expert for over 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. They use an immersive technique which leads to fast language acquisition. It's an intuitive process that helps you really learn to speak, listen, and most of all think in the language you're trying to learn. They also feature true accent speech recognition technology that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's like having a voice coach in your home. Learn at home or on the go with a desktop and mobile app that let you download and access lessons even when you're offline. And it's an amazing value. A lifetime membership gives you access to all 25 languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, Japanese, and, of course, Korean. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. 
For a very limited time, Writing Excuses listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The book of the week, hopefully, <laughs> is Oathbringer, the third book of the Stormlight Archive. Now, this is many months before, so we're going to hope that nothing has gone wrong with Tor getting this book out and nothing has gone with me getting the revisions done in time. By many months, he means we are recording this episode a full year ahead of time. Yes, we are <laughs> recording this one a full year ahead of time, which means— We have faith. I, we, yes, We're let's, all waiting for it. Let's just hope that last month, in November, you received Oathbringer. Um, I wanted to promo it this month because uh, the Stormlight Archive books are the ones that I use form the most interestingly for me, I believe. Um, I include about 30 illustrations in each book, and they're all ephemera from in-world. So you're getting not just maps, but you're getting rubbings taken from a um, yeah from a wall statue. You're getting a person's sketchbook. You're getting you know all sorts of a turtle shell in one of them uh, that they took a rubbing of so you could see it and things like this. Um, and so all this ephemera. So hopefully you guys will be reading Stormlight Archive, um, but. It's part of what made me think a lot about form. Um, I have a question. Are yeah. they integrated into the text Are they, or are yeah. they illustrations? They're illustrations that are mentioned in the text. Okay, so Every one of the – the cover art is not, but everything between the covers, mm-hmm. so to speak, is an in-world artifact that has been added. Uh, the, in, the, in the Cosmere, the, the shared universe of my books, the, we have this sort of affectation that a certain person is collecting all sorts of artifacts from the different planets and is writing essays about the magic, which are stuck in the back of every book. Um, and so, yeah. So uh, let me ask you something. So mm-hmm. at, at what point do you plan out these illustrations during your writing? About half and half. Half, um, I, I say, ooh, we need an illustration of this here. Note, Isaac, my art director, let's get an illustration for this. Uh, half the time, he's like, hey, we need some more illustrations. What do you think? And we brainstorm and see which things in text would use, uh, yeah, that we could include as ephemera. So I think I think I want to just tease out the distinction here because I think mm-hmm. even though you have many different types of items that are yeah. being mentioned in the text, they are still functioning as illustrations. If you took them all out, the the, the right. story would not but be changed. Here's how it changed the story is okay. I made a character in world who was um, an illustrator specifically to have an excuse to put <laughs> these in. And so 
it knowing that I was going to be including in, illustrations mm-hmm. makes me change the character That's and makes me inclu- make this character do sketches of certain things that then we can later include. And so while you can pull the sketches out, the effect of there being a sketch in this book has changed the book right. because I'm having a character then who's doing all this sort of stuff. Huh. Which is cool. It's different from something like I want to say, "Curious Incident of the Dog in the yes, Nighttime." Yes, it is yeah. different from has, things like this where we trans uh, like that where you transitioned into illustration. That's, that's actually yeah. that, uh, as a, a really good example of that. Mm-hmm. Um, Sherry Priest has a novel, uh, "I Am Princess X," and mm, big yes. chunks of that mm-hmm. novel are told in graphic, graphic novel, novel form. And you're seeing a lot of things like this these mm-hmm. days. I had awesome. to do the audiobook for that. Oh yeah. <laughs> And those most of the graphic novel things are done without there, there's no language in them. It's just pictures. So mm. what Sherry had to do was actually go back and write a radio play for each of those sections wow. for the audiobook mm. because it was there was nothing I could like there was yeah. it was the the thing that kept the sense of it right. the most as we transitioned. So so when it comes to like converting. You know the written form to like a comic book. Then, I mean, how 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 does that have Have you ever had to do graphic novels that way? I haven't done a graphic novel yet. It's on my like, list. Like, do I've, they have audio? We've, graphic we've novels? done one. Um, ours did not get a graphic uh, or a, an audio book. I mean, I've tried. There was at one point a company that was interested in uh, turning some of my stories into TV episodes, and um, so I tried shifting them. I tried rewriting them as episodes. I mean, I think one of the things I realized is that some translations are almost impossible. It turned out that those stories were very internal and there was very little that could be dramatized. And so I was like, well, if I wanted to do this, I'd have to add a voiceover track to get all Mm. the thoughts that were going on in this person's head. And it would have just been terrible. Um, Since we are are recording this uh, in in December of 2016. Uh, I I just saw Arrival, um, mm. which is based on I Ted Chiang. So no spoilers. No spoilers. No spoilers. No, they spoilers. did a great job. They did a fantastic job. But the the it's very true to the story, and yet there are things that are in the film that aren't in the story, and things that are in the story that didn't make it into right. the film because they had to translate medium. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the best I th- adaptations to film are like that. Yeah. yeah, and I and I think that because it is such a good adaptation. That it, it's if you have not seen the film and you haven't read the short story, it is worth doing both. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think it matters which one you like. If yeah, you read- I had I had that experience with the Prestige. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which uh, which did the same sort of thing. Um, we are out of time. Oh, I was going to talk about hypertext. Go ahead, talk about your hypertext. I will just I will only briefly say that I've I've been on the net since the beginning. My blog is the third oldest on the internet. Um and so I remember the time when we all got super excited about hypertext. This is like the dawn of web pages and I tried to write a hypertext story. It's six scenes. And uh, you can come into the story. I wanted to try to write it so you could come in on any page and choose which of the other pages you went to and have it still make sense. So I was really experimenting with linearity in a way that was not as possible before. And it's very related to what the Dadaists did when they would, like, write poems and they'd throw the pieces up in the air and they'd come down again and they'd say, there's the poem, whatever order it came down in. Um, And I just think it's really interesting to experiment with that and to think, like, what happens when you take the linear out of the narrative experience? Yeah, that is... I'm glad we made time for that. Yes, me too. 
So since we've been enjoying playing with Marianne and Wesley and it's the end of the year and things are sometimes kind of busy, we thought that this homework we would give you is a little bit of play. We're going to ask you to just play Exquisite Corpse. And for those of you who aren't familiar with it, write the first line of a story. Hand that first line to someone, ask them to illustrate it. Then they will fold the your first line back and hand just the illustration to someone else who will then describe what is happening. Then that illustration gets folded back and the new first line goes to someone else in your circle of friends or family. And let that create this strange, strange interactive storytelling that is completely nonlinear. Writers think this is a really fun party game. And actually, it's great to do with kids. Or drunk. (laughs) Anyway, we are running out of time, but uh, there's a couple things I want to do before we go. The first is to give a special thank you to Marianne and Wesley. Um, You guys have been great this year. Um, We have loved having you. We want to thank our listeners, specifically those who uh, supported us on Patreon, because we were able to afford doing this. Um, We're actually paying our co-hosts now. Um, We are able to pay for flights and things like this. And our engineer. And our engineer, specifically because you guys directly support us. And we are beholden to no advertisers, specifically because you guys support us. So check out the Patreon. Uh, We do give uh, some cool little bonuses on the Patreon. But mostly the bonus comes in the form of being able to do things like this. Um, I thought we might close out this year. Um, with the with the Chicago team by returning to uh, the beginning, as is a great uh, storytelling uh, archetype, we began with first person narratives, and so I've asked each of them to think about a little first person narrative. Doesn't have to be long of why they love telling stories spoken in the first person. Mary, will you take first stab at this? Absolutely. So. I love telling stories, specifically science fiction and fantasy, because it allows me to take the world that I live in and tilt it to its side in a way that makes it easier for me to see the kind of interconnected tissue. And it helps me understand the world more, but it also, the the act of attempting to communicate my understanding to other people, I think makes me as a writer, not just as a writer, but as a person, a, a richer and, and more aware person. And I love that connection between story and, and new person. Awesome. Wesley? Uh, well, I love telling stories because it allows me to be somebody that I know I can't in real life. So you know, not only am I smart and witty and a kung fu master and a secret agent, I— That's am, in real life. <laughs> Hmm. I'm actually not in real life. But not only can I do these things, I'm, I'm allowed to really you know, explore my, my, myself and see who I can be, who, who, you know, how I can be not only you know, more, uh, man, not, not only can I be more, um, I guess. Articulate? Articulate, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, not articulate, but I, 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 can, I can be the hero I want to be and I can yeah. be the self-improvement that I want to be. And really, it, what, I, what I do in my stories affects how I am in real life. So like really, like for example, my debut novel, Lives of Tao, is really how I look at self-improvement. And because of my stories, I became a better person in real life. I love telling stories because they let me explore things that are taboo to say and to talk about 
in nonfiction or over the dinner table. So, you know, when I first started writing, I was writing about sex, and sex was a huge area of conflict in my life. My parents had had an arranged marriage. They expected the same for me. Uh, they certainly did not want me to date. I was dating. We were fighting about it. And all of that emotion and frustration went into my fiction, <laughs> and it let me process things and say things that I couldn't find a way to say otherwise. Um, and that sort of evolved into writing about race and ethnicity and war and parenting. Um, and so I, anytime I am feeling very stuck, I tend to turn to fiction to figure out what it is I really want to say. I love telling stories because it's the closest I can get to magic in real life. I can imagine something and then put it on paper, and someone else who doesn't speak my language across the world can read this and imagine the same thing. And I have just engaged in telepathy, right? We are reading each other's minds in this kind of weird way that, uh, if you think about it, is just kind of bizarre and cool and magical, to use the phrase. And so that's part of why I love stories. I also love stories because they let me hang out with people like you guys. Yeah. Um, Writing Excuses will be back for a couple more episodes this season before we introduce our next season. Uh, but this is our last time uh, with Wesley and Marianne. So thank you guys again. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Thanks for, having for having us. Yeah. And this has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. Writing Excuses is a Dragonsteel production. Jointly hosted by Brandon Sanderson, Dan Wells, Mary Robinette Kowal, and Howard Taylor. This episode was mastered by Alex Jackson. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.